Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Yes, we understand that. But when Jesus says, hey, if your eyes causes you to sin, take them out. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life crippled and lame than have all your limbs and be thrown into hell. What he's making is a comparative statement, okay? He's contrasting the two. He's saying, look, nothing is worth keeping, not even our own limbs, if it leads to hell. And on the flip side, nothing should stand in the way not even any body part if it stands in the way of us entering eternal life. In other words, it's a comparative statement talking about the greatness of eternal life contrasting the destructive nature of eternal damnation. It's not a passage about salvation. And secondly, it's definitely not a passage promoting mutilation. You know, in the early church, these Christian monks would beat themselves and fillet themselves trying to purge themselves of the sin. Third century church father, one of the most famous theologians, Origen, he was a famous theologian, but most famously known because he castrated himself. He took the passage seriously. He said, oh, get rid of sin, get rid of the body part, and he did that. He later regretted it, of course, Because the truth is, hey, even if we cut off our limbs or gouge out your eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the heart is still within us because it's in our mind, it's in our hearts, it's in our life. It's not promoting mutilation. It's not promoting a new way to heaven. Rather, this passage is revealing the seriousness of sin. Notice, it's not categorizing any specific sin. Jesus doesn't say here, yeah, if you have uh, greed in your eyes, if you have greedy eyes, gouge them out. He doesn't say that. If you have a hand that steals, chop it off. He doesn't say that. He's using the general term of sin. Anything that is contrary to the will of God, that's what sin is. And he's saying, if anything is like that, get rid of it. And the thing that I wrestled with all week long was this. Why so serious? Why is Jesus so serious about sin? I mean, this whole week, I had this image of Daniel, okay? Daniel, our worship leader, going to Jesus. And he's like, Lord, forgive me. I have all these rooftop pens in my house. And, and I, I imagine Jesus turning around and saying, chop your hand off. And I'm like, Lord, how will he play the guitar? Okay, this, this, this has been running through my mind all week. I have some issues, okay, I need to deal with. But that, that's, the, that's what's going on in my mind and life. When I read this passage, it's, it's, it's outrageous. It's unpalatable. Why would you say this to someone who, who's dealing with sin? Why so serious? Why so ferocious about it? 
And the first thing I want to say about why Jesus was so serious about sin is that we, all of us, were created to make a difference. You and I were all created to make a difference in this world. In verse 7, Jesus talks about the reality of the world. It's full of sin. It's full of wickedness. It's full of temptations. It's full of injustice. It's full of wrong. And he gives the warning in verse 7. But woe to the person through whom it comes. In other words, yes, the world is wicked and full of temptation and sin, but don't let it come through you. Don't add to the wickedness of the world. Don't add to the sinfulness of the world because that's not what we were created to do and to be. We weren't created to add to the temptation. We weren't created to add to the injustice. We weren't saved to part in the ways of the world. We were created for a different purpose. We were created to be a blessing, to be an encouragement. We were created to be light shining in darkness being a catalyst to convict the world of sin in order to move them away from the ways of the world and away from sin. I was reminded this week of a missionary in Asia. And what he told me was this. Whenever someone in the village commits a crime, whether they steal something or they do something bad, what they do is they take this individual, put him in this chair, they tie him up, okay, and the whole village gathers around that person. And one by one, each member of the village, they come up to that person and they remind him of something good that they did. First person will come and say, hey, I remember when you helped me fix my roof. You're a good person. You're generous. And the next person will come and say, hey, I remember when you invited me over to your house and, and you opened your home and you shared a meal with me. You're a good person. I remember when you helped me with my homework. You're a good person. I remember when you walked my mother to the market. You're a good person. You're a kind person. You're a generous person. And through this process, the person who committed the crime would break down and be reprogrammed because it reminded him, yeah, they might have gotten lost in the ways of the world and might have fell into sin, but that's not who he was created to be. He is a good person. He's there to be a positive influence. He's there to be an encouragement. That's who we are, friends. The reason why Jesus attacks sin so vigorously is because it's so far removed from what we were created to be. 2 Corinthians 2.14 but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Friends, we were created to spread the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God, the joy of Christ. Everywhere we go, that's what we were created to do. We weren't created to add to the suffering. We weren't created to add to the wickedness of this world. But rather, we were created to go and spread the fragrance of Christ, to change hearts and change lives. That's our calling. 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
We've been set free from the legalistic demands of this world because of Jesus. But we shouldn't use that freedom to do evil as a cover-up. No, we should be more honest and more truthful and, and more moral than everybody else because we are servants of Christ who have been saved and redeemed. You know, sometimes I get overwhelmed with the wickedness of the world. Even in our generation, it's not hidden. You know, back when we were growing up as kids, like, people were actually ashamed to do wrong things. But nowadays, morality is out the door. People just live openly and steal openly and commit crimes openly. I mean, on my birthday, South Coast Plaza was robbed. That was a week ago. And we see this on the news. People, Glendale Galleria, the Americana, just people going in, just stealing and robbing and... I've never seen that in my life. And we're called to make a difference, but do you ever feel so small and tiny in this big ocean? Like, I'm just one drop in the Pacific Ocean. How can I make a difference? You know, when my son was first born, my brother made a very good observation. He observed because Evan was the first uh, child born on both sides of our family. And he observed and he mentioned and commented that like, how can one child, one small baby, bring so much joy to the family? How could he just transform the family dynamics? And you know, Daniel, you, you'll, you'll see this when, you're, when your son is born. And, and you, he just has to sit there, and you're full of joy. You're full of happiness. You know, parents, we know this, right? When they're little babies, they just sit there like, oh, so cute. I'm so happy. You're overflowing with joy. They just sit there, and they don't even need to do anything. You know, I look at my kids now. Like, I'm still kind of joyful, but not as much as when they're little babies, okay? Evan just had his first pimple. I'm like, oh. Like, you know, it starts early. Hopefully, he gets rid of it soon. Friends. You don't have to do anything in particular, but just be who God created us to be. Live the life that God intended us to live. Be people of morality and truthfulness and kindness, reflecting the love and acts of Jesus. And people will change, and we will change our communities and our worlds. One of my favorite songs right now is Big Sean. Okay, I don't know about his other songs. He is a rapper. But one of my favorite songs about him right now is how one man can change the world. And that song was created as a tribute to his grandma, who back in the 60s went to Vietnam as an African-American woman and became a captain. And she came back to Detroit and became a police sergeant. And how she raised him and his stepbrother and taught him all the things of life and, and made this huge impact in his world. And that's the thing. We don't need to change the whole world, but change the world of the people around us. Whether it's our family members, whether it's our kids, whether it's our work environment. That's the world that we can change simply by being Christians. By shedding, sharing the love and light of Christ. Second reason why Jesus takes so, sin so seriously is because it spreads further than we think. 
sin spreads further than we think. We think, okay, if I steal, I might be affecting this person, but it's not affecting anybody else. Or if I do this, it's just me. It's not, it's not bothering anybody. But the truth is, sin goes further than we could ever imagine. You know, the condo that we first lived at in Anaheim had a water heater on the patio. And it would drip water every now and then. It wasn't like a drip a second, but just a little drip so that the ground around it was kind of wet. Didn't think nothing of it. It's just a small little moisture on the ground, right? Oh, big mistake. That moisture went into the crack, and it went, we were living above garages at the time. So it went into my neighbor's garage, and it, it just decimated his ceiling in his garage and his wall. But then the water just didn't go down. It hit the beam, and then it would go further into the next garage. And it, it, it devastated the next wall and my other neighbor's garage. All from this little tiny drop that every now and then would drip. Because that's what sin does. Sin goes further and affects more than we could ever imagine. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 16, 6, Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He wasn't just saying be on guard about these people or their teachings or their ways or their actions, but he compares them to yeast. One of my favorite jobs was in high school. My summer job was at Wetzel's Pretzels in Long Beach Town Center. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been there in a very long time. But I worked there in one of the summers of my high school years. And, and we had a lot of fun. We'd make these huge pretzels the size of baking sheets. And, and we would eat and just trade food. And, and I gained like 20 pounds over the summer. If you're a business owner, don't hire high school boys, okay? I'm just, you know, you're going to, it's not a good business move. Okay? But, but um, for pretzels, what you do is this. You take a pound of flour. You take a quart of water and about a teaspoon of yeast. You throw the yeast in the water. You let it sit for about 20 minutes. And then you throw it in the uh, flour with the yeast water in a mixer. Mix it for about four minutes. Take it out. Put it on the counter. Cover it in a saran wrap. And about 30, 40 minutes later, this pound of flour balloons into this huge, huge monstrosity that you can make 30, 40 pretzels out of. The yeast doesn't just stay yeast in the water, but it changes. I, I mean, I don't know the chemical stuff that it does, but it infects and spreads and changes the whole composition. From that little teaspoon, it takes and it gets in that dough and it transforms it and expands it further than we could have ever imagined. That's what sin does. The sin that you commit, the sin that I commit, doesn't just stay with me. It transfers to the people around us, into our relationships, into our communities, into our families, into our nation. You know, I had a friend who was set growing up. His family had this business that would have taken care of them for generations. But his father loved to gamble, loved to play blackjack, wasn't good at it. And as the story goes... He lost the family business because of his addiction to gambling. It was just his addiction, his thing. But that pushed him into a new life. From a big house to a single-bedroom apartment. 
family relationships severed. Cousins don't see each other. Why? Because the father gambled, and he gambled away the family business. See, that's what sin does. It doesn't stop with us, but it affects everyone around us and goes further than we could imagine. To use a biblical example, you remember Achan in the Bible and during Joshua's time, Joshua chapter 6? God said in Jericho when the walls fell, hey, destroy everything and take the gold and silver into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But this guy, he saw a nice coat, saw a wedge of gold, saw a bunch of silver shekels, and he took that. It was just something he did. He didn't involve anyone else. He didn't tell anybody else, but he took it. But the result of that sin affected the community. About 36 people died. His family and all his possessions was destroyed because that's what sin does. The reason why Jesus is so serious about sin is because it doesn't just affect us, but those around us. It affects our families, our friends, our communities. When I was a youth pastor, I took our youth students, we had about 20, 25 students to a museum once. And we were going to the front of the museum to pay for our tickets. And the lady was like, oh, you have a big group of kids. And I was telling her, like, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. We're doing an educational thing. She's like, oh, that's so nice. I had a student next to me. And he looked at the sign. And turns out, kids 12 and under are half off. So he's like, hey, Pastor Roland, I'm, I'm 12 and under. And then the lady told me, yes, 12 and under are, are half off. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I turned around like, hey, how many of you guys are 12 and under? Half the kids raise their hands, okay? This big kid in the back who's bigger than me, has a mustache, raised his hand. I'm like, shit, yeah. Oh, my gosh. One person says it, and then everyone says it. I would have never imagined that half my youth students would lie and say they're 12 and under just to save some money. That's what sin does. It might start with us, but it doesn't end with us. It continues on and on and on to those around us. Jesus takes sin so seriously because we're created to make a difference in this world. Because it goes further than we could have ever imagined. But also because it costs more than we're willing to pay. Has anyone ever seen the movie uh, 127 Hours? No? Nobody. See, this is why you guys are all successful, because you don't spend your time watching movies all day. You're, you're, you're grinding, you're working, you're dedicated. The movie 127 Hours is about this guy named Aaron Rousen. In Utah, he goes hiking, and it's like in a remote place, and as he's hiking, he, I don't know how it happens, but a boulder slips, and it pins him and his right arm into the rock. And for 127 hours, that's about a little over five days, he's stuck like that. He does everything he can. He tries to move the rock. He tries to chip the rock. He tries to create, like, a, a pulley system with rope to try to lift the rock. But five days later, 127 hours later, he comes to the realization that, hey, I'm going to die here. I can't move this rock. My arm is stuck. I can't get free. Nobody's coming. I'm going to die. And it was at that point that he 
cuts off the circulation to his arm, gets his knife, breaks his arm, and chops it off, amputates himself to live. Now, the question I want to ask all of us is this. How many of us would amputate one of our limbs from the sin that is being produced through it? If one of our limbs caused us to sin, who here would amputate their arm or their leg or their eyes? Sin that destroys our relationship with God Sin that ravishes our relationship with each other and our spouses and our children. Sin which devastates communities and our nation. Who among us would amputate a limb in order to save our life from sin? That which destroys us. I'll be the first to say that I would not. Don't get me wrong. I would be devastated, I would be broken, I would be mournful, and I would be full of tears. But I don't think I would amputate my arm or leg or eyes. Just honestly speaking, I don't think I would. But that's the thing. Someone did. Even though we weren't willing to pay the price for our sin, nor could we, somebody did. Jesus paid the price. Jesus cut himself off. Jesus broke his body and broke his heart and broke his life on the cross in order to pay the price for our sin. This is why in 1 Corinthians 6.20 it says, For you are not your own, for you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. This is the greatest reason why Jesus takes sin so seriously. It's not only because we're created to make a difference. It's not because it goes further than we could have imagined. It's not simply because we're not willing to pay the price, but rather he paid the price. He gave his life. He sacrificed himself because of our wickedness. And because of that, how can we continue in it? How can we not ferociously attack sin in our own hearts and lives that we see? As immigrants, we know this. Our parents sacrificed everything to come here. How can we not study hard and work our bones off? Because of the price they paid. Because of the price Jesus paid. He's saying, I died on the cross. Can you you tighten it up? I laid down my life. Left heaven and all of that for you. Can you you take sin seriously? Friends. We live in a generation... When sin is so prevalent and played around with. You know, I'll close with this. It's, we're we're like, we're like kids playing around the campfire. I tell my kids all the time, back up, 
Back up. Don't get too close. Step away. Watch out. And, and you know, my kids, they're, they're kids. They're just having fun, jumping around, fire, marshmallow, throwing leaves in it because they're having fun. But we all know, right, what's going to happen if they don't back up, if they don't take the fire seriously, if they don't pay attention, if they don't tighten up. Friends, we can't play with sin and think we'll get away. We can't play with sin thinking that we won't get burned, that it won't affect the people closest to us or our families or our friends or our community. This is not a message against you, but also to me. We need to tighten up our views on sin, and we need to take it seriously because we can change and make a difference in the world. Because it does affect the people closest to us. Because Jesus did pay the ultimate price for us to live differently.